0: Week and had a good time watching the old cartoon from a long time ago. It was the Three Little Pigs and the Big Bad Wolf. And I thought about um, putting that on, but I thought, well, it was for my entertainment only, I guess. I didn't know how it would be received. Um, But there's a there's a point, and I was wondering, you know, who's the author of that story? I didn't go that far in depth. I, I just didn't feel like doing that. But I thought of the story of the Three Little Pigs that went and built a house. And one uh, built their house on a straw, the other with twigs or sticks, and the other, he, he had a, the brick house. And you see, down south, we know how to do it right, we do brick houses. Because we know the storms and the winds will come. And um, it's interesting because in that story, the, the pig that did the house with the brick said, Hey, you guys, you got to work at it, you got to work at it. And they said, No, no, this will be faster, this will be the way to do it. And they built their house a little bit different than he did. And the wolf came. And you know, we all know, by the hair of your chinny chin chin, I'll blow, huff and puff and blow your house down. And he did. And so we see the last, Andrew, if you wouldn't mind turning on the lights. We see at the last that, um, that the actually the wolf came to the brick house and he blew and he blew. And there was nothing that he could do to shake that house. And this morning, um, for you you that have been with us for about seven, eight months, I don't know how long we've been doing this, but we've we've been in the Sermon on the Mount. And it's calling us to arms, calling us to being disciples of Jesus Christ. And I heard this week as I was talking with a friend, he said that the Sermon on the Mount is a bunch of rules that Jesus just wanted to show us that we couldn't attain to it and that was what the cross is for. And I, I see his point of that, yeah, when I look on the Sermon on the Mount from chapters 5 to, to chapter 7, I'm like, this is hard stuff. We've talked about divorce. We've talked about hating. We've talked about giving. We've talked about fasting. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about a lot of things that are a lot of hard challenges. And when we do look at the Word of God and we try to... Um, measure ourselves up to it, and we realize we're not doing that great of a job. But I just want to share with you more this morning that that is where the grace of God comes. And it helps those who are following Him. And have chosen a life to, to please Him, and have chosen and forsaken all. And the song that we sang this morning about thieves, and that would come to the cross, and sometimes I wonder if it's not the thieves the robbers, the prostitutes, and the poor that are going to get it more than a lot of other people will get it. Because Jesus came to save the lost. He said He didn't come for the well. He came for those that were hurting and were sick. And this morning as we end the Sermon on the Mount, for me it's bittersweet because... Well, it was a series, and now we're going to move on to something else. And it's bittersweet, but Jesus leaves us with a warning. And the warning we see, it's going to be really plain as we unfold the Scriptures this morning, is that He who does not build a foundation will not last. Let me repeat that. If you do not build your life on a good foundation, you will not last. What do I mean by not lasting? It doesn't mean that maybe you'll be here today and gone tomorrow, but I'm talking about the Christian life. I'm talking about that one that has sit and decided to say, Jesus, you are the master of all. You are the Lord of all. There's not one part of my life that I do not open up to you and to say, come, Lord Jesus. And then we look at the Sermon on the Mount as I do, and this week is no different. I'm like, Lord, uh, please help me. Because I see some things in my own life that I need your grace, that I need your mercy to live a life that is according to your standards and according to your ways, and so this morning, we're going to talk about building that foundation. And before I do, I want to encourage you, next week, we're going to talk about the elections. And I tried to get a special guest in here, but he'll come via video. So we'll do something, and we'll talk about the elections, and then the week after that, we'll talk about, the, uh, it's going to be the day of persecution. So please, not the day of persecution, praying for the persecuted church. Which is ironic, it's right before the elections, I don't know. Um, Not real for sure, but that's coming. But this morning, I want to talk about, there's a difference between saying and doing. And that's my first point this morning, so let's look at Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven... But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles or works of power? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You see, we have walked into what I would call a scary time. Because it's often said, and it's been going on for a while, if you confess the sinner's prayer that you are A-OK, and that you do that, welcome, you're welcomed into the kingdom of God. Well done, good and faithful sayer. And we look at the Scriptures this morning and, you know, this morning it is part of what I'm called to do is a warning and a call to call you to something better and something deeper in life and that is my heart for every single individual, not only in this church but in this community and in this world, is that you can go beyond where you are at right now, that God wants to do something in your life that takes you far above where you are right now. And that you are not to settle for where you are. But you see, we see in the Scripture when it says, Lord, Lord, it's not talking about teacher, teacher, or rabbi, rabbi, in this context and in this state. Jesus is looking on to something else and that is His kingship. And so when we see, Lord, Lord, it is a proclamation. It is saying, Lord, 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 In his glorified state. It says not everyone who says this will enter into the kingdom of heaven. You see, Lord, Lord is merely a verbal confession. Mere confession saves no one. And I can see it in your eyes. You're like, hey, what about Romans 10, 8 through 13? We're going to look at that. But talk is cheap. And then I looked at it, what it meant in the Cambridge Dictionary. I just thought, why not? It says, talk is cheap means this, to show by your actions and not just your words that you support or believe in something. It is easy to give lip service, but it's a lot harder to walk it out. You see, we're growing up in a, in a generation that says it, that it's OK, speak loud, speak loud, speak for your rights, do it, you got to say something, and that's only half the truth. You also have to be called to action. And I think that's what Jesus is doing to the disciples is He's calling them to action. And so let's look at Romans 10: uh, verses eight through 13. It says this, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And you might be thinking, that's contrary to what you just said just a few minutes ago. And in a way it is. Before, with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes in Him who will not be disappointed, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on Him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I said earlier that a mere confession saves no one. And this is what I mean. is that when you believe in your heart, as it says in verse 9 of Romans 10, that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And you see, when you truly believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, it changes everything. You see, it's one thing to confess with the mouth. It's another thing that your whole being believes that Jesus is who He says He is. If you truly believe in your heart that He is who He says He is, then your actions will surely follow. You see, for in Matthew, the book of Matthew, one must show that one is right with God by behaving righteously. And I know that we don't want to talk about works. And we want to talk about faith in Christ, and I'll talk about that in just a minute, but we don't want to talk about that we must do something with the faith that we have received. And Jesus is calling His disciples to faith and action. And we must build a firm foundation And as we look at Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove... What the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And we're going to go back just a minute, but I want to look at this word will. Because it says in verse 21: it says, He who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. And I want to share this word will with you: is God's desire, God's pleasure. So, let me read this again. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the desire and pleasure of God is. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. You see, I'm going to go back again to verse 21 and just repeat to you. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the pleasure or desire of my Father who is in heaven will enter in. You see, and then it goes on in verse 22, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them... I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I want to talk about this word lawlessness just for a second because I think we can take a concept here that is right and it would say, you who practice disobedience to my word. Which is what sin is. It's going contrary to the word of God. And Christ is saying here, some will prophesy... And cast out demons and perform works of power. To me, that's pretty cool. If I was doing those things, I guarantee I would be on a pedestal right now. Probably be on TBN, if that still exists. I think it does. But I can even do these things and be outside of the will of God. Why is that? And how can I say such a word? Because in Matthew 12, verse 50, it says, Whoever does the will of my Father is my brother, sister, and mother. John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14, 24, Whoever does not love me does not keep my commandments. Words. And this is the real deal, folks. Is it so often we are so quick to confess and we truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but we're not willing to do what he says to do? And so we've been looking on the Sermon on the Mount, we've been looking at it more deeply than what maybe we normally do. And Jesus is saying, this is what I desire of you, a true disciple. And we've all heard it said that we want to get to that glory that day when it says, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's where I want to be. But then what a stark contrast to that is if Jesus was to look us in the eyes on that day and say, who are you? Who are you? I never knew you. And I know that sounds harsh this morning, and it may not be the most popular thing to say, but it's those who do the pleasure and desire of the Father that will enter in into the kingdom of heaven. You see, this word that he never knew these false claimants strikes a common biblical note. How close to spiritual reality one may come while knowing nothing of its fundamental reality. Let me repeat that. That he never knew, or sorry, he never knew these false claimants strikes a common biblical note. How close to spiritual reality one may come while knowing nothing of its fundamental reality. Folks, it's all about knowing Jesus. But see, there's great consequences of not doing what is asked of you. And it goes the same for me. I can preach... And I love to preach. I think it's fun to preach. But it's not going to get me into heaven. I've been all over the world, you guys know. I served eight years in a Muslim country doing church planning. It's not going to get me into heaven. I've done things for the kingdom. But if I'm outside of the will of God, and if I'm not doing God's good pleasure and His desire, then I'm outside. And I want to talk about point two. And you see, Scripture says confess with your mouth. But it also says to renew your mind, and you renew your mind by the hearing of the Word. And you see, oftentimes it scares me for the church. It's very scary. Because the church is full of great teachers. Teachers that I could listen to all day. Turn on my radio and it's good. Get him a podcast is good. And I could feel good about myself just listening to great sermons as if that saves my soul. And what scares me for the church today is that we hear a lot of truth and we're doing nothing with the truth. We're just listening. I've shared this story with you before I got my biblical training and and missional training with Youth with a Mission. I remember the first week into my discipleship process. And the teacher set us down and it was heavy. I just spent, I was a poor guy, 24. My parents didn't pay my way into this school. I had to earn it. And so I spent thousands of dollars... To go into this training and, and for a year, and the guy sits us down the first week. And I know I've shared this before. And he says, Look, you are going to be responsible for every word that you hear during this, these courses and during your life here at Youth with a Mission. And then you know what he did? He said, I want you to go pray and seek the Lord if this is really where you're supposed to be. (laughs) Could you imagine if you did that this morning? (laughs) You took the Word of God so serious that you said, well, Lord, (laughs) if I can't do what I'm going to be told this morning, maybe I just need to stay in bed. If we took it this serious. Maybe that's what we should have done this morning. It doesn't help church numbers. I get it. So please come. Make me feel good. But if we took it that serious. So let's go to Matthew 7. Let's talk about the hearer only. Verses 24-27. through 27. There, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And then if you could go to Luke six with me real quick. 6: 46 through49. Again, it's repeating what Jesus just said, but I think I like this a little bit better. And he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it. But it had, because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation and the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed and the ruin of the house was great. And if you notice something here, the both of the houses looked the same. Both of the houses look the same. But their foundations were completely different. You see, the true reality is that your foundation matters. Your foundation matters. And I want to encourage you this morning that there is no other foundation except Christ Jesus and Christ alone. But my question to you is are you truly a doer of the word or are you just a hearer? And with that, let's go to James 1, chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it. Not having become a forgetful hearer, but a effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. And you know, a lot of times we want to look at Scripture and we want to just say that I can do what I want to do as long as I have faith in Jesus Christ. And could you just switch the screen back to Cornerstone? I apologize. Always, there's something that always is going... Gremlins. You guys seen the movie Gremlins? Yeah, it's old. Oldie, but a great one. I think a gremlin is messing with my system. But we'll get back to the Word. But prove yourselves to be doers of the Word and not merely hearers. And then James two verse fourteen through seventeen it says this: What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but he has no works? Can that faith that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and need of daily food, and one of you says to them, "Go in peace, be warmed and filled," and you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. And this is why Jesus will say, I never knew you. So we beg to ask the question that James asks us, can that faith save him? And it's a rhetorical question and it says, it is a resounding No. And then the, the word for works here is to toil as an effort or an occupation. Could you imagine if we looked at serving the kingdom of God and being a part of it as an occupation? As a holy occupation? Just like we do our jobs, like we don't have a choice, but we're going to act upon the words of God and the words of Christ and take it that serious? In Spider-Man, it's a great movie, and you remember the scene, I think it's at the end. And the the grandfather is talking to Spider-Man, and he says something that resounds to all of us. And that is great light equals great responsibility. I remember hearing that phrase, and I'm like, that phrase is old. I heard it a long time ago because that is what it is for the believer. You are going to be held accountable for what you know. And I would say we need to take inventory and ask ourselves, are we an effectual doer or are we just hearing? It really matters. And then point three, as we end the Sermon on the Mount. It says this. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at His teaching. For He was teaching them as one having authority, and not as their scribes. And I want to read from this John Stott. It says this. What what struck the first hearers of the sermon was the preacher's extraordinary authority. He did not haunt him, I'll say him and ha, or hesitate. He was neither tentative nor apologetic. You guys have heard me both ways. Nor again, on the other hand, was he bombastic or flamboyant. Instead, with quiet and unassuming assurance, he laid down the law for the citizens of the kingdom of God. And the crowds were astonished. Even for the Greek verb is a strong one, they were dumbfounded. After 1900 years, comments A.M. Hunter, we are still astonished at the words of Christ. And so if we look at the words... And as I shared, as we began this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus was sitting there and His disciples came around Him, He was giving them their actions, a call to action. And now He is finishing to the crowds. And the crowds were dumbfounded. But as I shared before, that God Himself came down from heaven through Jesus Christ. And He explained the law to us. And He said, I did not come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law. And so I want you to think about this. Chapters 5-7, through seven, the Sermon on the Mount, is from God's mouth Himself. And that if we are not willing to live it, we will be held accountable. If the worship team could come. So as I was praying for... This sermon yesterday, I was thinking about, how can you end this? We're, really, what, what can we do? What, what can we say? Because really, it's not about the preacher. It's not even about the deliverance, because if you remember, God talked to Balaam through a jackass. And for me as a Pentecostal kid growing up in the South, we couldn't say words like that, so when we saw it in the Bible, we were pretty happy. Um, We used it quite often. My dad could say nothing about it. But I want us to take inventory this morning. Do you need to know Jesus? Do you truly need to repent? When you look at the Word of God, do you need to dust it off? Or are you just taking it with your own opinions? Or are you truly living it? That doesn't mean we don't have our flaws. I want you to know that. I have my flaws. But if you are questioning yourself this morning, I want you to run to the mercy seat of Christ. Because He has grace and forgiveness for you. So that's number one. Number two, there may be some of you wondering what the will of God is for my life. And that is a legitimate question. What is the pleasure and desire that God has for me and my family or for my future. And it's the same as someone that needs Jesus. I just commend you this morning to run to the altar of Christ. Run to Him in prayer and ask Him diligently. And He will give you His will. And then the third, which is always a case for the response time, is that if you have something you need prayer for, I'd encourage you as our elders come forward, if you'd stand with me this morning, is that we want to pray with you and pray for you. And this morning as we end in worship, I would just commend you, man or woman or child or teenager, teenager, Don't be scared to give it all to Jesus. Because it matters. Sometimes we'd like to sit back and just just sit back. But God is calling us to something much deeper, much bigger. and He's calling us to obedience. And so this morning as we sing the song Surrender... I want you to let those words go deep into your confession of faith this morning. And we want to be here for you to pray. To pray with you and pray for you. So Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it will not go out void. But that it will do its intended purpose this morning. And Lord, would you give us mercy and would you give us the grace to live it? to be effectual doers and not just hearers. And may Your Son be glorified through us, Lord. In Your precious name, Jesus. Amen. If you need to respond, I encourage you to respond. I want to give you the blessing this morning. So I just say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. And would you go in peace in Jesus' name.